Welcome to another episode of Geek Loves Nerd, encouraging marriage and family advice from a gamer husband and a CPA wife. Geek Loves Nerd, Nerd Loves Geek, at least she did, late last week, I haven't asked, lately because, she's still living here and that's more than I deserve, Geek Loves Nerd. And here are your hosts, James the Geek and Jen the Nerd. Hey, how you doing, folks? This is Geek Loves Nerd, brought to you the week of October 14th, 2012. Hi, I'm James. And I'm Jen. And uh, we're very excited that you're here. Now, today's show is a little different. This is episode 86, by the way. Um, Jen and I just got through doing an awesome evening at The Gathering, which is a young adult church service at our church in beautiful St. Petersburg, Florida. Um, Jennifer spoke about finances, finances. It's like nachos and finances mixed together. Uh, yeah, it's great. It's, it's a, a great It's a type snack. of bird, a, fi- <laughs> a finance. <laughs> it lives in our yard. It lives with finches. <laughs> and you also spoke. I, I spoke as well. Some insignificant parts. Insignificant. Both of I us, man. I messed that up. It's okay. It's good. Slate. It's igloo significant. Um, anyway, we talked about stuff and we sound a lot more with it than normal. But it, usually Geek Loves Nerd, you guys know we're Christians. You know that I'm a pastor and my wife is a pastor's wife. You know she's a CPA. You know all these kinds of things. Um, but typically our show isn't as sermony. Mm-hmm. This is a sermon. It's the- You're about to hear it. Yeah, it's a good one though because I did most of it. I wrote it really. <laughs> she 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 literally did, um, but I we co-produced it. It was then, mostly me producing, and you were just coing. Oh, where was this during that? I was being nice. <laughs> she didn't pick on me as much as I like during the live thing. But anyway, enjoy it. It's a little longer than our normal episode, and we'll see you guys at episode eighty-seven. Goodbye. Goodbye. Give these guys your undivided attention. Uh, it's going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed by it. So here you go. All right. Let's. Uh, he prayed, but I want to pray because I'm a pastor and that's what we do. Uh, Lord, thanks for this, uh, this time. Thank you for the uh, message. Those that need to hear it, uh, including ourselves. Bless it all. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 As you may have heard, um, I'm James Kennison. This is my wife, Jennifer. Hi. Hi. There you go. I just want to make her use that at least once tonight. No, she uh, she is actually the primary speaker. I'm just here uh, for the levity. You can look that up. Um, and to pad out the, the bullet points a little bit. But we are the children's pastors here at, at Suncoast. Been here for the last three and a half years, working on four. And uh, we're, they keep us where nobody else is, basically, uh, with your children or your future children, as the case may be. So continue having children, please. We like our job and you are our security and our future. All right. So, Jen, why don't you start us off? T- today we are talking about uh, one of the scariest things in the planet. And that is money, finances, and we're going to find out why it's truly scary and uh, what you can do about it. So, Jen, start us off. Okay. Um, to begin, um, just give me a second. I'm a little nervous. All right. Um, the Bible has over 2,000 verses about money. It actually has over 2,300 verses, hon. Yes. Yeah. Well, you wrote 2,000. <laughs> I, I didn't update the notes. It's okay. Um, so, you know, and, and it's probably one of the most talked about topic in the Bible. And By pastors. 
And uh, <laughs> and one of the reasons, or, or the main reason why there's so many... We get a percentage of all the income. We don't. That's not true. That's not true. So you're going to do all this. That's not true. This is not going well. Stop. <laughs> I've got important things. Well, say it. Anyway. Don't let me stop you. Um, the reason there's so many verses about it is because it's very important. It's Absolutely. a big deal. It's a huge deal. It's a huge deal to God. And it's not because God needs our money. It's because he needs money to be in the right place in our life. He needs money to have the right priority. Well, what does it say? It says that um, that's the love of money is the root of all evil. A way, another way of saying that is um, that having money in the wrong priority, the wrong place in your life, is the beginning of of having everything else in your life in the wrong place. It's like stacking uh, stacking. Uh, Legos or anything, or actually ABC blocks. If you don't put A down at the bottom and you put B, C, D, E, F, there's no way for you to go back and put A down there unless you start all the way over. I wrote it down this way. No, there's no better way to screw up your life than money. It's sure. awesome. It's true. It affects every single part. It affects Everybody your... knows somebody. Who's messed up their life. Yeah. Money. yeah. <laughs> you know me, for instance, <laughs> yes. before I met you. It's true. <laughs> She's my CPA, too. So, so our first priority. Oh, sorry, my bad. We're going to be talking about priorities, three priorities that are important because we, we need to get them in the right order. I'm sorry, I was supposed to say that. So there's three priorities. All right, go ahead, Miss Jen. All right, our priority one, and you can put it up on the screen, is that um, all of our money belongs to God. Pretty basic. So, I mean, and I know everybody's heard that, but it really does. It's it's not ours. We're just given it for different reasons, for different amounts, but it all belongs to God. And there's few areas in our Christian life that we can look to the Bible and it gives us just a clear step. Like you talk about your, you know, loving others. You get the concept of you're supposed to love others, but there's not really a, you need to do this particular step to love others or um, sharing your faith. There's, you know, not really, you know, we have our sinner's prayer, but there's, there's not really a set. Well, that's not even in the Bible though. That's just something we've made up. Made it up. So a lot of it's our culture, but the Bible does give us a simple instruction about money and a very clear instruction, and, and uh, it's one throughout the whole Bible, and that's to give 10% of your earnings. Malachi 3.10. And um, so, you know, we, we look to the Bible for, for clear instructions, and, and this is one area where God just says give 10%. And people complain all the time like that. I've heard, I've heard, especially people that are trying to argue with Scripture. They'll say, you know, it's not real clear. Or, I wish the Bible would just lay it out one step at a time and just tell me how to live. Just give me a bullet list of all the things I'm supposed to do and all the things I have. First of all, that didn't work very well in the in the Old Testament with the Ten Commandments, as we talked about the other week. So don't ask for what you've already been given. And then two. Um, it's funny that this one thing that is in Malachi, you know, bring your tithes to the storehouse, bring the full tithe, um, is more argued than anybody else uh, or anything else. And, 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 and what people will say is that's Old Testament. I don't have to tithe. It's Old Testament. Well, that's fine. I, I will agree with you that that's Old Testament. But New Testament is you sell everything you have and give it to the poor. So take a pick. It's either one or the other. We, we like the 10%. I like 10%. 10% anyone? Okay. Yeah. 
I'm good with 90. I'm good with 90 percent. Take the 90. But um, but it all belongs to God, right? Absolutely. And so, um, and and you know, obviously, it's not. And I think I said this before. It's not because God needs or wants our money. It's because when we take that chunk of our money, which, you know, kind of seems like a lot when you look at it and think, boy, I could do a lot with this 10% every month. I could have a new car or I could have, you know, whatever. But um, when you have to take that first chunk and you give that straight to God before you pay your bills, before you do first anything thing. else, yeah. then you're putting God ahead of your needs. You're putting in God ahead of your wants. And, and that's God's goal with this commandment is that you make him your priority, that you look to him to manage your money, not that you decide to do it all and then if you have some left over maybe you could give him a buck or two or 20 bucks in the offering it's he wants you to make it a regular part of your life and um actually uh one of the things we say is we believe everybody's paid 10 percent more than they're worth so that's true if you believe the bible yeah. it's kind of a funny way to say it but yeah you're paid 10 percent more than you need uh, by the way um so yeah there you go. And uh, my, my other thing, you know, that I wrote down with this is that always give your 10%, no matter what. No matter if it looks like you're going to lose your house the next day, they're going to take your car, you're not going to eat. It's still putting God first because, you know, the Bible's all throughout says God can provide your needs. So if you're giving money, give 10%. Just do. You will never regret it. You will see your finances be able, you will be able to do things that you never thought possible just because you were faithful. Yeah, you unlock the, the treasures of God. Um, you know, we always hear that, that uh, you store up treasures in heaven. Um, and we, we don't always like to think that way because that means the future. Well, no, I want to tell you, how many of you guys have ever experienced anything that came down from heaven while you're alive right now. When we store up treasures in heaven, there are treasures you can still access here in your life. They just don't, they're stored where nobody can steal them, mess them up, screw them up, or put them out of skew. So um, that's something God told me the other day. I didn't tell you first, but I wanted to tell you. Oh, and people ask, do you, do you tithe off gross or what? What's the or net. Net. Gross or net. And, and my answer to that is simple. Do you want to be blessed on gross or net? So it's up to you, really. I don't think God's going to. He doesn't send fireballs very often anymore. No, hopefully not. Lightning. Okay, so that brings us to our priority number two. That was priority number one. It went quick. I'm sorry. No, no, that's what. Good. Um, what do we? What are we supposed to do with our ninety percent that we have left over? I know. Be good stewards over the other ninety. That's right. That's the stuff we get to keep. And do you want to talk about the next thing about the parable of the talents? No, no, that was your idea. You okay. do it. That was All a good right. one. I don't know if this was kind of a funky interpretation. It's not. It, he gives it. them money. It's exactly <laughs> it right the, on. Okay. Well, you always hear the parable of the talents being preached as meaning something else, but I'm right. gonna for once it is actually applying apply to directly what it, to yeah. money and say, you know, in, in this example, God gave. Well, we'll just use a thousand bucks because it's a lot easier than talents because I don't know what that converts to. So well, let's say one, three, and five. 1,000, 3,000. Yeah, we can do that. Pretty good. So God gives them, you know, all, or the master, which is God in the example, gives them $1,000, $3,000, or $5,000. I always thought with this parable that it meant, you know, you had to take what you had and multiply it, and it was a lot of effort on your part. But when you think about money, it's like, okay, God gave you $10,000, and he wants you to invest it, or he wants you to, you know, make it 
make it have a return, basically. Yeah, something to show for what. So if you just simplify it to, you know, God wants you to give it back to the kingdom. You know that that He gives you ten thousand dollars. He wants you to give ten thousand dollars in church to make it simple. So the people with the person with the five thousand say they did that. They gave five thousand in the offering, or gave five thousand to you know. God, basically, the person with 10,000 did the same thing. And the person with 1,000, you know, didn't do any of that. And they didn't even put it in the bank and, and, and earn money off of. They didn't even, they weren't even wise stewards with the $1,000. And, um, you know, it was a. So what you're saying judgment. is we don't have to be super managers, right. perfect, wonderful, awesome, knowing exactly what to do with our money all the time. God didn't get mad at homeboy, $1,000 guy, because he um, didn't double his money. Right. He got mad because he just didn't do anything. Didn't do anything. That's right. Couldn't even put it in the bank and get interest. That's what he got upset about. So it's not like we have to be amazing money managers. We just need to do the minimum. Right. At least. And that's, what, in my opinion, what tithing is. Tithing is the beginning. Tithe is a tenth. Tithe is what is owed God. That's what he we owe him, by the way. Yeah, that's what he commands the, us to give. I don't personally believe that we're really giving sacrificially or otherwise until we're giving above 10%. And that blew my mind because we got that from a mentor of ours. Mm-hmm. And we found out uh, just by accident, actually just poking our nosy noses around, that the homeboy gave at least 20%, if not more, annually. And that blew our minds because we had grown up in church in parent with parents that kind of flirted with tithing when it was easy and when it was good. And and this this person that he's talking about, they weren't rich. They were pastors, and nope. you know they weren't even that well taken four, care four, of. In three the kids, they were, and, uh, yeah, yeah, two so cars and a house and the whole thing. It's not where you know it, it seems easier to give twenty percent when you make a lot, but so it challenged us that tithe is what we owe. But but I realized one day it just came to us that th- that's the minimum. That's just giving back the thousand bucks, so to speak. Right. So um, just kind of going with this, um, you know, one one good way, one very practical way of being a good steward of your money is knowing where your money goes and knowing what happens with your money. And the easiest way I think to do this is just write down, I earn this much. I have this many bills that I know I have to pay every month. You know, you, you know you know you have a house payment or a rent payment or a car payment or electricity, you know, whatever your bills are. And the difference between the two is the amount of money that you have to spend on everything Can else. you say that again? Because I know what you're saying, and uh-huh. I'm pretty dumb. I want to hear it again. Okay. Because seriously, <laughs> it sounds primary, but it is so important because 99% of America does not understand what you just said. <laughs> you just take a piece of paper. Okay. So you take a piece of paper. Yes. You write down what you earn. All all the stuff that I make in money-wise, even grandma, right. birthdays, the whole thing. In okay. A, in a month. And then, I, I would break it down to a month. You just write down what you're earning in a month. If you don't earn the same thing every week, look at a month's worth of paychecks. And if it's pretty normal, then just use something close to that. You know, assume that you're going to have some paychecks that are high and some that are low. So take take a kind of a sample, I guess. Okay. So that's column one. What was on the other side again? The other side is everything that you spend money on that you that you have to spend every month. You have no control over. Okay, this isn't Starbucks and stuff. No, this, this would be bills that somebody sends you every month that you have got to pay. Okay. And uh, Not costume parties that cost $5. That's right. Okay. 
So needs, absolutely yes. gut level needs. And then what do you do? You and, and don't forget your tithe and your uh, things you should spend every month. Good plug. So, um, but... Uh, and, and then the difference is, is what you've got. Okay, left. that's the word right there. It's a simple subtraction problem. For those of us that are like me, you just take one number minus the other number. Hopefully, and, and I know that sometimes you can subtract from a smaller number and mm-hmm. you get a negative. So hopefully we don't yeah. get that and that kind of math going on. Because you haven't considered food or anything. And we'll talk so. about that later on. Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta live beneath that. And if people could do it, the entire universe that we live in would be so different. It would be be so different. Um, You guys are in such a key place, not to play the old guy card, but what I will say is Jen and I are just on the other end of where you guys are now. Just on the other end. Just 10 years down the road or whatever it is. Is it more like 15? Probably. Good Lord, help us. Depends how young they are. And it feels like it went like that. I mean, we, we look and we're like, where did our 20s go? And now it's like, where did our 30s go? And and now our mentor, the people we patterned our life after, they're old. They're like they're ready old. to die. <laughs> they're only in Don't their 50s. Them. Don't tell them we said that, but that's <laughs> old. 50 is old. Um <laughs> But we somehow randomly just got connected with the right people and it was some bad examples and some really good examples about finances and almost accidentally, stupidly, randomly, and now I know it's just the grace and goodness of God, we made some really good choices and some good decisions and we're now benefiting from that. And it stunk for a long time. It is not fun not having a lot of money to spend. It is not fun watching your friends get cars and, and, and furniture and nice clothes while you save for the same things and you get it five, six, seven years later, but you paid cash for it so it's yours and yours isn't worn out and, and you're not still paying on it. Um, but anyway, I'm just going to say the stuff we're talking about, I'm being flip and blah, 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 but this is hard-learned stuff right out of the Word of God and right out of real life. Um, the 90% we keep is important. I, I wanted to say this too. You have an obligation to earn if you can. In America, we are so blessed. If you have working arms, legs, and a voice, eyeballs, and all that, you, you, if you speak English, if you can read and write, you are so far ahead of what most of the world has going for them. And they work. If you do not have a job, if you do not have a, an, if you do, if you're not earning, I believe you're going to have something to answer for when you get to heaven. God's going to say, I gave you a lot of resources. I gave you talents. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven talents. What did you do with them? And if you said, oh, I collected a check from the government, or I I just kind of hit it around with some part-time jobs, and you didn't reach your potential, sorry, but you're going to have something to answer for too. Anyway, sorry, that was the pastor part coming out. Back to you. Come up with a budget, people. Yeah. Hurry. But, uh, and, you know, going back to the budget, that is a really big deal because it's very, very easy to get to the end of your month and you're like, where'd my money go? What's going on? Why don't I have what I need? And you don't even have a clear idea of what you spent your money on or, you know, how much your bills really take up. You know, you come to that budget and say you only have 200 bucks to spend on food, gas, and everything else for your whole month. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to know that. You need to know that ahead of time so you can make adjustments. And also helps you look and see, are there things I can cut? Are there things I can live without? Can I, you know, can I downgrade my cell or can I, I don't know what the Well, when you hear people uh, talking about their finances, a lot of times they'll throw their hands up and they'll say, I don't know where it goes. I, uh, and that's that's us really 
releasing our hands on it and trying to trying to take the passive way out. It's your money. And you you have an obligation to know where every single, maybe not every single penny, but where it's going and where it's not going. And I'm telling you, if you do that work and you do that, that's, that it's not a spreadsheet. It's not a big Excel program. It's just a math problem. If you do that and you keep track of that stuff, you'll be surprised. It's those nickel and dime things. It's not gas. It's not food. It's not rent. It's three movies a weekend and four or five Starbucks and stuff like that. Okay? I'm sorry. But it is. Um, the next thing I've got, you know, once once you kind of have a budget, is, is to start an emergency fund. You're going to have things that come up. You're going to. It's not. No, it's coming. Oh, I, I took know. care of all that. You okay. just talk yourself a silly. Okay. Um, whenever you get extra money. Put some of it or all of it aside if you can stand it. But don't. that's not what we do, though. No, we want to go out and spend it. We want to get the one thing. Bonus money, yay! We don't have to feel poor for a while. <laughs> See, we we've got family members that do this. They they live within a budget and they do their best. But when they get extra money, they get really excited and they're like, "Oh, we get to feel the opposite of poor." So let's go spend money. And they'll go buy, like back in the day, it was Rock Band. They bought the entire thing plus the dang Xbox and the Kinex controller and all this kind of stuff. And the funny thing was they didn't even spend the money they got. They ended up putting it in on a credit card that the money allowed them to get. And then they spent that somewhere else. And now not only were they not 500 bucks ahead, they were 500 bucks in arrears. I just want to say arrears. <laughs> it didn't even fit there. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, it's scary. Um, it is very tempting when you get extra money to go spend it so you don't have to feel poor. Because when you do it right, I'm sorry, America is set up to make you feel poor because they want to get you... To and buy things. They want you to get you to buy things. That's, yeah. I mean, it's not an evil yeah. thing. It's just the way it works. And that, you know, really that emergency fund is one thing. You know, we've been all over the place when we first started out married. I think I made six bucks an hour and I worked part time because I was. Which was old. really good money back then. Yeah, I think that's below minimum wage now. And I think James made nine. And um, I, that was big stuff. Yeah. We, I, was, uh, I was drawing t shirts for We a had no money, but we did. I mean, we consistently put money in an emergency fund, and it saved us so many times. I remember the air conditioner went out in my car, and it cost $700. Can I say I hated putting money in there? Oh, it was terrible. It stinks to do to be disciplined. It is terrible to do the right thing. It's bad. It feels bad to do good. I'm just telling you the honest truth. You know it. It stinks getting up in the morning for work, doesn't it? Yeah, nobody likes getting up, but you mm-hmm. have to. Everything, that's what I tell kids. Everything that is good, if you have a, if you have a struggle between two choices, go with the hardest one to do, because nine times out of ten, that Sorry. one's going to be the right one. <laughs> it's the way the world's set up. It's terrible. Yeah. But yeah, have an emergency fund. I, because you can, what I don't want to get up here and do is tell you, us uh, tell you that if you manage your money, everything's going to be fine, because you know that's bull. That's not true because there's stuff that comes up. There's jobs that change. There's gas that changes prices. There's people that have kids right after they get married. There's all kinds of stuff that happens randomly. Why? Why did it get weird all of a sudden? (laughs) Just kidding. I knew what I was talking about. But stuff, stuff happens. It happens. And you cannot put your faith in, in your own organization even, but, uh, you can not tempt God by, by making sure that you have something to fall back on. I mean, do you have some examples? 
of uh, the way our emergency fund has even helped us recently? We don't have to go back in the day. Um, because right before well, you started when working, we, when we moved into our house, um, insurance is really expensive here in Florida. Really we not, expensive. Yeah, we didn't. And we didn't plan that. for it. You know, it's part of your monthly payment. And in Missouri, I think it was six hundred dollars a year. So you know, I don't remember what that is a month. It's about you know ten or twenty bucks extra a month. Well, we're like five hundred thousand feet above sea level there. Yeah, and we're also in a flood zone. Here where we're we four inches above the water. I mean, if there's a wave. Yeah, <laughs> our carpet gets wet. But um, you know, so it was like I'm thinking it was two or maybe two thousand dollars or something for our insurance, and so that all of a sudden made everything. You know, it just was a cost I didn't even consider. I didn't even think about it when I was setting what we could afford and all that kind of stuff. And so we ended up having to pay out, you know, um, a lot of our you know extra money towards to pay for the insurance and then they uh took the wrong amount in taxes out on our house so we had to pay extra in house payments so i mean there was just a a bunch of things that came up completely unexpected that yeah we we had to dip into the emergency fund you know, basically you it, our but, emergency fund has saved our bacon over and over even yes. just last month or a month before that jb our son had uh, he needed ear tubes or something put in? There was what? How many thousands of dollars for his dumb yeah. ears so he could hear? So he can hear, yeah. <laughs> and then I had appendicitis randomly. Who plans that one I for know, a nice weekend did. on a Sunday nice morning? Sunday morning, good job. <laughs> it's like the only Sunday I've ever missed in my life. <laughs> so yeah, you don't plan these things, but they happen. And and statistics, I don't have the figures, but they say that most people are one paycheck away from totally being devastated financially. One paycheck. And an emergency fund, in theory, is what? How many How many weeks? Of, it's supposed to be three to six months. Three to six I months. I don't know that we've ever even... But if you, even if that, you could get one month of paychecks yeah. in the bank that you saved up, um, it's it could be the difference between, you know, total chaos and you having peace. Yeah. And and it helps you. I mean, instead of having to put it on a credit card and your credit card debt just continuing to mount... Uh, you know, over these little things that you've got to do something about, you've got somewhere to pull that money from. And this is a vacation fund. It's not, oh, we saved it up, let's go out fund. It is emergency fund, so yeah. don't spend it. It's, it. it's it's a terrible thing. The next one we've got, you know, as far as practical steps, is going to be um, live with little or no debt, which is really, really hard to do. But, That's not American. No, not at all. Not at all. But, the, you know, the thing with debt is, and, and I'll give you a quick example in a minute, is that your money will either work for you or it will work against you. And when you're in debt, your money works against you. It just completely works against you, and it stays around for a long time. When you're not in debt, your money works for you, and you can actually eventually get ahead. Now, as far as a house goes, I don't, you know. I don't even, it's possible, it's definitely possible, but nah. you're going to pay rent anyway, so I, I don't know. At least that, put it into a house. Yeah. I, I Go into debt for a house, we're fine with that, you, we're fine. we won't yeah. judge you. <laughs> we haven't figured that one out, but um, yeah. as far as cars go, I mean, you got to get to work. So you you do need a car, and sometimes you have to go in debt to get a car. But how nice of a car do you need to get to work? Well, not not. Does it have to be really exciting and awesome and look good parked next to my coworker's car? No. Okay, I was just making <laughs> sure because I've had my car since two thousand three, and it's starting to look a little dingy. The roof liner's starting to fall in, and I, I swore I would never have a car with a roof liner in because every one of my mom's minivans did that. With the roof liner. Well, we do live in Florida; they all dry rot. Mm. <laughs> but. 
So you're going to make me keep that car for how much longer? About five more years. How long have we had it paid off? Uh, uh, about five years or so. Booyah. So. <laughs> but uh, and, and the trick with cars is either to pay cash for one um, and then put what, what you would have put as a car payment in the bank so that you can save up for the next one or you can upgrade. And you get money from that. And you get interest. You get, what do they call that? Interest. interest. Yeah. Instead yeah. of paying out interest. <gasps> it's awesome. It's a reverse car payment. It's the best idea ever. And never. We're doing it right now. And don't don't get depressed about the math. She told me the math. We got a quite a ways till we make <laughs> yeah. the money for a new car. I think we have two thousand. And we will still have to buy a used car. <laughs> yes. But it'll be a nice one. It'll be a Honda. It'll <laughs> last till, till it drives itself into the ground. Yeah. So I mean, that's a definitely not fun one. The the whole car thing, but but see, debt is the quickest way for that scripture to become evident in your life. If you're in debt, it can trash your whole life. It can mess you up so badly. People own you. They own you when they have you in their debt. And it hangs over. Back your head. in the day, until recently, they could make you come to their house and serve them if you owed them money. Okay, in other countries other than America, they can indentured servitude you're behind. Okay, so that's how big of a deal debt really secretly is. But to keep consumerism going, we've made it a little easier to be in debt. But if you can start and get yourself on the other flip side of that, like she was talking about paying out payments to a bank account or something like that and getting that uh, if you can get on the flip side of this thing man once you once you buy that first car you just keep making those payments and then when that car wears out you buy the next car see what I'm saying instead of being on the other end of it where you're in debt and you're paying the car that died six months ago and now you're buying another one and rolling that one over onto the new one how many of us have had to do that well, luckily not us, but well, once we did it once, we made one stupid car decision. Yeah, we've made a couple, but um, I only wanted to admit one. <laughs> <laughs> kind of hurts our cred. But the thing is, if you have not gotten any debt or much debt, don't just don't. Yeah. I I remember when I was in college, and um, I paid for my own college, and um, we weren't married at the time, but we were dating, I think, and I wanted to take out a student loan because I was trying to get. And by. we weren't living together much. <laughs> James, <laughs> they might we have, weren't living together. They, their parents might have gone to college with you. I don't want to. No. Well, um. Anyway. <laughs> we weren't as saved as we are now. No, we weren't. Okay. Um. Anyway, my point is, you know, we were. I was in college, and I really wanted to take a student loan out just to pay bills. And you told me, in all your financial wisdom, don't do it. Don't do it, fool. Don't do it. And uh, I didn't. And I was very, very happy later because I, you know, those things hang on for ten years. Well, in college, kids, they throw money. They they throw applications at you if you're not getting applic. Those they even pre-print the cards with your name on it and all this kind of stuff. They don't do that so much to us because they know, you know, people are are supposed to be a little smarter, but. Yeah, your job, as far as they're concerned, is to get into debt as fast as humanly possible and to get all the stuff. And 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 we've seen that with young couples, and, and it was the same when we were there. Is we, All our friends had stuff. They had a beautifully decorated home. They had, um what, what, cars and, and yeah, cars. you know, even that. They had something like that on the wall. <laughs> that cost 70 bucks, probably. No, I'm just saying. But if you went out and bought that at Pier 1 or wherever, Wherever kids buy stuff now, that would probably be 70 bucks once you got all the candles and everything like that. It cost money, money we didn't have. And so you'd come to our house and tell them what we slept on for the first year of our marriage. We slept on a futon. Futon mattress. <laughs> College <he> futon? <laughs> yeah, we didn't have it. Legitimately? We, we, did, 
we had a waterbed for a while, which is so old. Those were really cool there for a while. Yeah. Well, then you could buy them really cheap at a garage sale, which we did. That's what we did for like 50 bucks. But anyway. Um, yeah. So weird. Yeah, man. You do what you got to do. But yeah, like like when we bought our... We were poor. When we bought our house... We had a home... Yeah, yeah, you don't... You don't buy the water. <laughs> it's they just... We poured Dasani in. Yeah. <laughs> we did bottle Sleeping water. on a Coca-Cola product. <laughs> it was... It's holy water. Oh, my gosh. Anyway... <laughs> But um, don't get in debt. Yeah, and, and just to give you a quick example, because um, I'll throw out the numbers for people, and I'll help interpret this. This gets really okay. <laughs> down. Go ahead. If you have five thousand dollars of credit card debt, which isn't really that's easy debt. Easy debt. That's low debt. If you just pay the minimum payment every month, a little minimum twenty-five or fifty bucks, whatever it says on your statement, and they will let you pay just a tiny. It bit. takes you twenty-two years to pay it off. Wow. And by the time you're done with paying it off your 22 years, you've paid almost $11,000. Because you've paid double. You've paid over double. You paid back your debt and you paid $6,000. You've paid in 5000 what? 5887 bucks In interest. In interest. Not total. In interest. So add 5000 to that. So. 10000 something. But yeah. if you had taken the money you paid in your minimum payment, and saved it for 22 years, which is a really long time. It's the boring part, but it's truth. <laughs> you you would have $17,000. So instead of paying it out, this 5000 that you spent on who knows what 22 years ago, you know, you'd have your 17000 I was excited when I heard it because it does work. If you kept the money, which sounds insane, why would you sit on $5,000 for 15 years? That's ridiculous, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But it works. You'd have $17,000 instead of owing Close to 11000 And the worst thing about the owing part isn't even the money or the money you lost or saved or anything. It's the fact that it hangs over your head, that, that it stresses you out later. You know, it's fun to spend, and then later you're stressed because you, you have bills you can't pay, or you, you know, you, or at least, you know, with us. Having well, and nine times out, out of there. ten, the debt outlasts whatever you bought. Yeah. Or you can't, you don't even know Especially what you when you have a kid. It. You buy one of those, it's not going to last $70 worth. The kid's going to throw something out, it's going to break. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you see those broken off with one piece missing at a garage sale. <laughs> and if you do have debt, um, you know, obviously based on that example, pay, pay it off. Put, put more money towards it than the minimum. Pay as much as you possibly can and get rid of it. And yeah, we're not hating on you if you're in debt. And try not to get in it again. Just try to get out of it as soon as possible. Because yeah, it doesn't take that long to pay it off, and you don't spend that much if you don't if you pay more than the minimum payment. Our trick was we really, really besides cars and house, we really strived to never ever get in debt in the first place, and that saved our behinds. Because I don't know that we're as disciplined as we're coming off. No, um, we're, really we're not good. preaching debt freeness and all that kind of stuff uh, because we never really experienced what it was like. I just grew up in a house that my mom was completely strapped, and when she had it, she spin it and then we'd go from having $500 rack mounted CD players because that's how much they costed it <laughs> back then and one CD by the way a Carmen CD $500 in debt <laughs> for a stupid Carmen CD but then we'd go between that and not having food and mom would go ask the church people for money for food um, so I got kind of sick of that and so I was very attracted to this young CPA I wasn't a CPA then but, yeah. I was going to make her one <laughs> 
with my support and the faith that I had in you, yeah. you became the mighty Jen. But no, we after that futon, I, we talked about the futon we slept on. We slept on a futon mattress for six months or a year. We While we were doing that, we saved because we wanted a king-size mattress. By God, we were going to have a king-size mattress. We were going to have space. We were going to have room because that double mattress, it was terrible. I was hitting her with my arms. If I had this bad habit of putting my knee up, they never tell you this when you get married. It's not about toothpaste and, and toilet seats. It's about how you sleep in the same bed at the same time. Because when you're single, you're like Marty McFly. You're just everywhere. And when you get married, you've got to sleep like this. Because that spooning thing is crap. Your arm goes to sleep in like five minutes. So go ahead and hang up on that dream right now. And, and plus, your wife, it, it, she will turn into a radiator heater. and you Or you will. In my house, it's her. And you just get away from me. I love you. But go on your side of the king-size acreage. So anyway, we got a king-size bed. And then we slept on that on the floor. While we save for the for the furniture and the proper bed, the frame to put it in, and we still to this day have some really nice. If you come over our house, we'll show it to you. Um, so I don't know if mission style is still cool, but it was dang cool when we bought it. It's and, real wood though, which is probably and it'll last forever. Piece in our house, and then we had an empty living room. Because we saved and saved and saved, and we still have the couches we bought because they're good couches, and we saved up for them, we paid for them with cash, and um, we just in this new house just bought two other couches to replace us. Now they're family room couches. And so I'm not bragging. I'm saying I'm thrilled that we finally have furniture after how many years have we been married? It's been a long 16 time. years, people. <laughs> we had furniture. Just not a lot. We had spools, you know, those big electrical spools as a coffee table. No. I told you about the waterbed. That would be cool. Yeah. We only had the waterbed for like a year. Anyway, so pay off your debt before you do anything. So, and the best way to do all that um, is living beneath your means. (gasps) And that means if you make a certain amount and you can afford this car or that car, which we kind of touched on, or you can afford this house, drop it down a step. You know, if you can afford $500 for a car, buy a car that costs $300 or $250. And here's how they get you. An example is the salesman. When you go to the sales shop, they don't ask you how much you can afford. What do they do? How much? How much? How how much can you afford payment-wise? What can your payment be? They don't talk about how much of the car you want to buy. They're going to get you in as much debt as humanly possible. How much free money can you possibly throw at me today? I'll get you in a car. That's what they do. Yeah. And that's the way every every place. And it's not that they're evil. They have people to feed too, and they want your money. And if you'll give it to them, hey, you know, whatever. But um, we we decided early on live beneath our means, live beneath the people we saw because, like I said, we were exposed to some really great people and some really great people that were in a really bad situation, and they had fifty plus thousand dollars in credit card debt. They were they had a beautiful home, beautiful cars, beautifully decorated stuff, and they looked awesome on the surface, and they were so stressed out you could see it etched into their face, and they were in their early twenties at the time. And they have kids, I guess, younger than ours because they had to wait to get their family started so they could pay off debt. Who wants to wait on kids? I'm waiting for, well, yeah, true. But see, we're, we're jealous. We waited eight years to have kids. And now we're old. Now we're old and we have friends who have middle school kids and we're jealous. So we want them out. 
<laughs> we're ready to get the RV and start camping. Yeah. No, we I'm not ready for that. I've got one picked out and saving for it. So reduce your lifestyle, and uh, that means not being as popular, maybe not being as cool looking. But when you look like this, it wasn't that big of a <laughs> departure for me. Jen, poor thing, she was CPA. She was supposed to be jagging it out, jaguar and all that kind of stuff. I have no idea if jagging means something bad, so I wanted to <laughs> qualify that. I'm not hip on the new slang, so oh, jagging may be bad. It might be really bad. Lips like jagger or moves like jagger or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. There you go. I don't go to that website because I looked up something bad one time. I was trying to find out what the milkshake that brought all the boys to the yard was. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's okay. Um, and the best way to do this, like, you can mostly do this, you know, when you're making car or house decisions, um, is to make the decision before you go shopping for either of those, because especially with house shopping, you want you can never buy what you want in your price range. You no. just can't. And you will get depressed going and looking at what's in your price range because most of it's foreclosed. Because in the area we live in now, mm -hmm. the time we live in now, everybody's losing their houses. And you'll go and you will go away crying and upset and frustrated. <laughs> this is all we can afford. We're decent, hardworking people, and I gotta live in yeah, Mildewville. Yeah. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Did people? Does everybody take a? flaming dump in their house before they move out. That's what you will think. Seriously, it is ridiculous. It is bad. You think your neighbors live in wonderful, wonderfulness? Their houses are nasty inside, I'm just saying, because I've seen them. But eventually, if you want to paint it, and you have a little imagination, you can do really good on houses. We've bought two foreclosed homes, and we've had to work on them. Actually, three? Three. Three. And um, we've done really good. We've been able to buy above our means because we bought below, if you understand what I'm saying. We bought an expensive house that wasn't expensive. So it worked out yeah. good. But yeah, and but don't trust yourself to make any of those decisions when you're... And you guys have the internet. Man, we didn't have the internet. We had yeah. Kelly Blue Book and that nickel car, car thing. Rednecks read. Yeah. yeah. Auto trader. <laughs> But and the big thing about living beneath your means or even at your means, uh, you know, some people don't even do that, is that if things come up, if things major things change, like even something like gas prices doubling, which they did a few years ago, I mean, it doesn't completely devastate you financially when it happens. You're you're able to handle these things. It's good. Are we out of time? No, no, we're doing fine. Okay. We've done a little while. I'm watching it for you. Um, oh, and the other thing about living beneath our means, and this is something, you know, that we, we can kind of speak to. We did, um, you know, I worked full time for, I guess, seven years. Was it seven? It mm -hmm. seems like a long time. And then you took a seven year break. And, and, um, and so, and I made more than he did. And Still does. we made the decision to, um, I'm okay with it. Stop. <laughs> we made the decision for me to stay home with the kids. We didn't want to put the kids in childcare. And um, so we had to figure out how to make that work because we reduced our income a ton. And the only way we could have made that possible was because we were living beneath our means. That we could still afford our house. We could still, you know, we, we went ahead and paid off our cars, that kind of thing. So we could afford to live where we were. Matter of fact, we even practiced for a year. Or was it a full year? Uh, it was probably about the time I got pregnant. So about nine months. Yeah, about nine months we lived off of just one salary and 
put everything else yeah, into toys. diapers, no. to be honest. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, to us, you know, that, that was what God wanted us to do, and I think that was probably one of the best decisions we ever made. But it isn't just that, you know, being a stay-at-home mom or, or anything like that. It's any ministry possibility. What if God wanted you to take a year off of work and, you know, go overseas somewhere? If you were living beneath your means and had savings, you can do it. Um, if you owe, you know, owe a lot of things, if you're, you know, have to pay off a lot of things, if you're underwater in your house or your car, you, you can't do those things. You don't have the, that flexibility. And, you know, God calls us to do all kinds of crazy things. I mean, your finances will probably go up and down in all kinds of places in your life. I know ours has. Can I modify that? God won't call you to do a whole lot of stuff if you can't do it. I don't think he's going to call you to do things if you can't do it. So you won't even know what you're missing out on if you're trapped. He's not. He's not going to do that to you. I think he loves you too much. He's like, well, I had some plans. <laughs> they really wanted that new iPod. <laughs> Hope they enjoyed Pines vs. Zombies. <laughs> Good game. Yes, I created the guy that created it. So, <laughs> but yeah, we 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 hit a situation, and I please please don't hear this as bragging because it can't be bragging because it hurt too bad to do it, and we struggled too bad. But about that time, God really challenged us with a huge missions. Give gift uh, that we were supposed to give, and it was very sacrificial, and it was a large percentage of our income, and we didn't have a clue at the time what our plans were going to be, mm-hmm. that we were going to end up going to one salary, and that you know Jen was going to stay home with the kids and, and all this kind of stuff, and I'm so glad she did because they are awesome kids, and they wouldn't be otherwise. They would be yeah. raving buttheads. <laughs> I'm telling you. I can see it just a little bit every now and then. and um, But because we did that, that a block, like we said earlier, led to the B block of, of us being able to, to go down to one salary in, in, in the economy and everything. Yeah. It, uh, it was awesome. It was good. We got couches the other day, did I tell you? Finally? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, and then we'll move to priority number three. Um, is that, you know, James spoke about earlier that your tithe, it's, it's just your minimum. It's your 10%. It's kind of your bill. Your bill to it's God. What you owe. Your bill to the church. Yeah, it's it's what you owe. Um, but Ma- Malachi a lot of times, says it. Sorry, Malachi. Not yeah, us. Malachi. <laughs> Take it up with Malachi. But, um, you know, be open and, and really think and pray about giving offerings, especially as you have extra or even if you don't have extra. Um, it's probably the one of the hardest things in the world to do is to give extra. I know people will say, oh, I wish I made more money so I could give more. But, you know, you, it's exactly the opposite. It's of that. not fun. Even if you have enough, it's not fun to give it because you just think, oh, I could do this and this with it. But, you know, that the, the offerings that we've given, I can look back and say, you know, at least those things, that, that money that we spent went to something good. You know, I, I know that I know that I know that God bless that money. And at the risk of sounding like TV evangelists, we're not telling you that if you give money and sow into the kingdom, you will be blessed abundantly. God may say that, but we can't because that hasn't been our experience 100%. Matter of fact, the year we gave that big hunk and chunk, we got audited. If you don't know what that means yet, you will by the time you're our age, and it's not fun. They make you go through everything you spent with a tie and fine tooth comb and prove that you gave as much as you said you gave, because otherwise we were cheating. And um, 
So there was no, there was no huge financial return. There was no big giant victory. It was just that day to day peace and joy, knowing we're right in the center of where God wants us to be. And I'm telling you, at the end of the day, being able to sleep at night is a lot better than, than having enough stuff to be able to look at your buddy that you don't even like. I, I don't know. Our, our old pastor used to say it this way, and you've probably heard it, but we, we spend money we don't have to buy things we don't need to impress people we don't like. That's the American dream, the dirty side of it. We don't need to be that way. If we can just get on the other end of that and impress God and put that A block in the right place, B block, C block, all the way. If we put God first place in our finances, the reason why he says that, and the reason why he says that the love of money is the root of all evil, is because if you love money, it's going to screw up everything else. It's, 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 it's going to ta- tank it. Tank it. Look it up. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, I'm done. My spiel. I was about no, to do an altar call, but I remember you were there. <laughs> that I have to keep talking. <laughs> so, do you want to end with the conclusion? Oh, well, let me just say this. You can't outgive God. I, I, I want to say that, too. That's something our old pastor used to say, is you can't outgive God. And in, in the context of offerings, tithe is one thing. That's what we owe. That is what we owe. That is the bare minimum that we should be doing, no matter what state we're in. Uh, but offerings is... Um, is how we show God basically thank you. And if God could demand all of it. And matter of fact, in order to be able to, to, to not be in the trap of all of these things, um, we have to be willing to be able to, to, to go back to right where we were at the beginning and say it all belongs to him. What if he did demand everything? What if it wasn't just the 10% and then an offering besides? What if he said, right now, I want you to give up everything you have Sell your car, sell your stuff, and all that. Because in the parable of the rich, or not parable, I'm sorry, in the story where the rich man came to Jesus, the rich young ruler, that's exactly what Jesus asked him to do. You want to serve me? Awesome. Sell everything you have and give the money to the poor. And be a poor person yourself was the unsaid part. Obviously, he would still have a job, maybe. Not if he didn't have nice clothes to show up for it. But he was probably wealthy independently. People tended to be. He probably had land and slaves and, and, and people and things. He would have to get rid of all of that and come just as himself to God. And that's why we could say that this is one of the scariest things in life. Because imagine if God came down in a fiery cloud and said, I want you to give up everything you've got as little as it is. As little as you think you have. And, and then not even tell you what. <laughs> Just say, I just want you to do it. <laughs> you know, follow me, maybe. We'll see. But I just want you to give it all. Well, I want to tell you, that's that's scary. That that idea is scary to even us in our in our financial situation. But I realized that it's a lot less scary for someone who's already got their stuff already put together and they've got that emergency fund and they're not in debt and 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 they could walk away from everything and and they wouldn't know. It's a good place to be. That's what makes this one of life's scariest things. And I don't know, you had a good conclusion. I hate to add to no, it. No, add to it, girl. <laughs> um, you know, and the thing about that is when, when you're used to giving, when you're used to tithing, when you're used to giving offerings, when you're used to, to putting what you should do above what you want to do, then the idea of having to give away extra is not as terrifying because it puts you in a place where you're, you're relying on God. And you find security in that instead of security in your finances. And uh, I think ultimately we, that's what God wants out of you with your finances is for you to look to him for your needs, not for you to look to money. Yep. 
we we'd mentioned on the way here, just one more tag, because I tagged too. Um, if you look at the parable of the talents and you look at us globally instead of individually, America is definitely the five-talent man. America has been given so much. We have so much to answer for as a result. And I have a feeling, and that's why we need to pray for our country, and that's why we have to be the agents for change, is when America stands before the judgment seat of Christ and says, what did you do with what I gave you? We're not even going to be as good as the guy with the thousand bucks because at least he had the money to give it back. We're going to say, well, we got all this debt. So, I don't know. Pastor, I'm going to hand it back to you, bro. Yeah.